Welcome to Lost Explorer, conversations with technology enthusiasts about the intelligence of connected things. This series is inspired by the many conversations I've had particularly with Google Gloss Explorers, business leaders, and developers regarding tech-related passions we share. Unfortunately, the Explorer program is no more, so from time to time I go out and catch them all like Pokemon, and then I make them share passions on wearables, connected fitness, IoT and or self-driving cars, software development or technology startups, or just learning about this space. If any of this sounds interesting to you, stay tuned for this episode. So today's episode, um, I have a special guest. I have Jason Salas, who uh, wrote the book on developing for Google Glass. He's one of you know, the pioneers, the Glass pioneers, as we call them. And we geek out over all kinds of subjects, uh, self-driving cars being one of them. Uh, and first, I want to talk about our sponsor. Uh, we have none. Oh, wait, we do have one. I think we uh, our, our sponsor is uh, Smart Truck Nuts. Uh, in case you 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 have uh, a need for uh, truck nuts on your pickup truck and you want them to be Bluetooth connected, uh, you get Smart Truck Nuts. That is actually not a real thing. Um, eventually, we'll fill that in with a real uh, product. And that's a fantastic concept, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't do anything other than connect to your phone and tell you how much it's weighed. But, anyway. but, the, but the aesthetic value is off the charts. I mean, you, you, you get so much marketing capital for that. You know, it's like, you know, put that on Kickstarter and, you know, you'll be good to go in 30 days at least. <laughs> that's right. Again, by the way, it's probably already on oh. Indiegogo or Kickstarter. And the voice you hear, by the way, is Mr. Jason Salas. So, Jason, thank you for, for being on here. Let's just jump into... Uh, why we're here today. We're here to talk about, um, is it Lost, again, if you're just joining us, the Lost Explorers podcast, and we're here to talk about self-driving cars, specifically context uh, with self-driving cars. And with connected things, uh, the stuff that gives us context is um, sensors or an array of sensors, Um because context can can be normally broad, so I just want to sort of define what we're going to talk about. First, um, uh, this past week, uh, there are a couple news items that I want to sort of quickly run through. And uh, this part, past week, uh, I uh, weekend, I, I took my family uh, to uh, see Local Motors um, unveiling of something they're calling Ollie. It's a self-driving. Well, let me let me back up for a second by saying brace for this because it, it's everything. It's got buzzword soup. It's a self-driving, three D printed, autonomous, voice recognition Watson, driven, vo- voice recognition driven by IBM Watson bus. Now that's not a mouthful. Uh, so Ollie is, is is its name. It's a they very basically key... hit for the cycle on that one. It, it is it is a it is a hardware and software geeks wet dream to to combine those five concepts into one coherent product. Right. How would you describe it? For since this is an audio only episode. Yeah, well, uh, looking at it and everything like that, I mean, it's it's very very sleek. Um, considering it is a you know meant to be like a municipal bus, um, I, I think it's really neat that it has no. No, no 90 degree angles. I mean, you know, and, 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 you know, you would expect that most modern vehicles today would not, you know, subscribe to that design model. But I mean, it's, um, 
aerodynamic is not the right word, but I mean, it's very, 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 very rounded. It looks like it's it basically, it looks like an iPhone with wheels. Um, right. it's, it's very attractive. It's got nice, you know, non-intimidating colors. And if you take a look at the, at the interiors and the pictures, and by the way, everybody follow Noble Ackerson, my, my good friend for many, many years now on Facebook, because he had a Facebook live video that he did when he was actually at the showroom checking out right, Ollie. Right. I must've played that thing back brother, like 47 times. And I went, <laughs> I was simultaneously, you know, I wasn't, you know, going crazy in the comments and everything like that, but, but allowed, I was both praising you for showing myself and the rest of your audience around. And then I was cursing your name because I was like, that's all you're going to give us is a minute, 37 seconds. I'm yeah, like, I know. I, I, and forgive me. Like, so a lot of this stuff. So uh, for example, this podcast being one of them is just stuff that has been eating me inside that I want to sort of try out. And I've been wanting to try out Facebook live. Um, I actually sort of tried it out uh, at Google IO, but it was also only for a minute and a half. Uh, but you know, it, it's kind of weird. It's like, just you're, you're a professional, your full-time job. Um, uh, Jason, you, you're, you're, you're a news anchor, right? So you have, you have the experience of sort of just putting your stuff out there, but for some reason, live video, uh, is very awkward. I didn't know what to say, when to say it. Uh, and so I just sort of gave a quick narrative and that lasted all but a minute. And I just spent the rest of, you know, the, the, the minute, the half, you know, the 30 seconds left just just sort of walking around the thing and go, ta-da, and that was done. So, um, but it, but it was fantastic. And, and in my opinion, you know, w once you embrace like, you know, the live paradigm for anybody out there listening, you can either go one of two ways, which will invariably improve the quality of, of your product. You either have to basically like not worry about, you know, how you're going to appear because ultimately it's, it's, you know, the images you capture and the narration you provide. So you either just have to say, you know, I'm going to, let the camera do the talking for me, or you basically go the other way and just say, you know, this is going to be all about id, and it, it, it's all right. about the superego and everything like that. And you know, like I mean, narcissism can be very entertaining at the same time. Craig Kilborn, right. you know, probably yeah, that's right. All right, so let's jump into the next one. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to come back to Ollie and sort of wrap everything up in a short interview with you at the end, uh, and we'll talk about you know, what your thoughts are about the future of you know. Um, tra transportation modes uh, that are self-driven or self-piloted um, in the future, and I'm going to have you have you put on your oracle hat uh, and, and sort of try to you know determine what our future is going to be. Golden State uh, so Warriors fans kind of scoffing at that that reference there to Oracle. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, there we go. Uh, so next next one I want us to touch upon again. Some of these stories aren't really interesting enough to, to have a long conversation about. Um, but as a Tesla um, owner, I should say former Tesla owner, because my Tesla got totaled um, anecdote, uh, I, I have to talk about Tesla when we talk about connected uh, cars or self-driving cars. And we'll talk about, I'll ask you a lot more about context uh, and, and how sensors are going to sort of play a factor. Uh, but uh, Volvo is taking uh, Tesla to task. Uh, on its self-driving functionality. Uh, frankly, I found Tesla's um, autopilot to be one of the most accurate and jarring yet accurate experiences uh, when it comes to you know having a car take control uh, and, and on a highway and all you have to do is sort of sort of hit the turn signal and it just switches lanes and all that stuff. And you know that, that's interesting to me because because knowing where you live and knowing the type of driving that you do from our, friend, from our friendship, because you've got a pretty interesting mix of 
city driving yep. every so often, but I would I would say like correct me if I'm wrong, but the majority of your driving and everything is you know interstate and like highway. So I mean you're you're gunning it for the most part, right? And then you do you know the start and stop city driving you know occasionally. So so yeah, we're gonna jump into that too because that's actually something that I experienced was city driving regardless of who's building the tech at this point isn't ready. Um, and we're, I think at a level two, we're, we're talking level two autonomous vehicles as far as, far as the, the transportation agency, um, calls it right. So autopilot as it stands, um, is really effective on highways. Uh, so that long haul where, you know, you just want to sort of let go of the steering wheel and, and let, um, you know, your car just sort of take the wheel. It's perfect because, you know, it takes the stress out of getting to and from your commute, you know, uh, from work or wherever you got to go. And, and so it's awesome. Volvo, on the other hand, and Mercedes and all these other guys are, uh, are you know, obviously, you know, a little threatened by the adoption of the of this feature. It's like an add-on feature that you get on, with your car. And so Volvo is sort of undercutting... Um, uh, they, they call their version, Volvo calls their version auto uh, pilot assist, if I remember correctly. And there's going to sort of, rather than charge for it, they're probably going to just sort of bundle it in the base model. And I'm sorry, bundle it in a premium model and charge you, you know, I think $6,000 less uh, with their it, flagship. SUV. You know, there, yeah. there is a lot of work being done in that space right now, even by, you know, there, there are some startups and granted, these are, these are very, very young companies run by very, very young people. Um, who AI are, being one. Yeah. Who are proficient in, you know, in the, the specific type of software engineering and the hardware integration um, and the specific type of machine learning that's involved for, you know, self-driving cars. But, but there's a lot of companies that are trying to make like, um, like almost like aftermarket kits that you could yep. then retrofit onto existing cars that would then yep. enable them with some sort of, you know, driving autonomy, which, which I think is fantastic. And there's a lot of M&A activity uh, uh, in that space. There's yes. been a lot of venture uh, activity in that space, which actually segues to the next topic, um, which is Pearl, former Apple employees, um, you know, decided you need, you know, a rear view camera uh, on your car, whether you have one, um, you know, built in or not. And, and it's pretty slick, um, just like. You know, Tony Fidel and Nest sort of rethought an existing technology and adapted it in a smart way. This thing just, and I'd love to hear your thoughts here, Jason, this thing just sort of attaches to your license plate, I'm sorry, your, um, your, uh, your plates, your, your tags, and uh, it's basically the frame around it has little, two little cameras, and it pairs with your phone when you're within proximity, so then you have sort of the Tesla always-on you know, rear view camera experience over Wi-Fi and it's a proprietary Wi-Fi. I am really looking forward to, to that experience. It looks, it sounds like something that I'm thinking to myself, like, why didn't I think of that? It's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty impressive piece of tech. Former Apple employees too, if I haven't said that. Already. Yeah. Which, which is neat because, you know, like when, when self-driving cars, because of Google's work in the space really came on the scene, everybody was, you know, for people getting into it and, you know, the media that was covering it, everybody said, okay, well, LIDAR, and, you know, it's that really awkward, you know, um, like yep. big uh, eggshell, you know, shaped device on the top of the um, camera that could mm -hmm. basically do uh, real time radar and like, well, like a thousand RPM 
if, if you know, and maybe even more than that, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it paints the scene, uh, right. you know, and and sort of gives a you know, a, a computer, a, a way to sort of see, you know, what's coming at it in real time, and there's a little and bit then, of but, co- mm-hmm. but then people really quickly figured out that they're like, okay, well, that, that kind of um, technology is really, really cool. There's only a few people building that kind of thing, and it is insanely expensive. I mean, way more than the consumer would get, at least, you know, in these very um, early days of the technology. And, and sure, the, the price is going to be driven down, and you know, they'll figure out some business model to make it work and everything like that. But I mean, that was like the hardware everybody was talking about just like you know when the iphone first came out it's like every everybody and their mom was name dropping the word accelerometer without even knowing what it was (laughs) and like like in in these days you know everybody says okay well you know because of netflix and because of you know the facebook news feed everybody talks about algorithms they don't even know what an algorithm is they just say oh that must be the algorithm working it's like yeah yeah then so lidar is the big like you know mainstream buzzword that's right all right next story model three siding um, I don't know why I added this there. Uh, so, oh yeah, because I actually made a prediction, or I made a, uh, I wish this would happen. Uh, so basically, this sort of segues perfectly into the topic at hand: context, right? So they basically had a video. Someone sort of driving on the roads of Silicon Valley probably sort of captured a Model Three, you know, flanked by you know, two Model S's in the front and the back, uh, and they were on the highway, and I'm guessing they're sort of testing a mule and testing the technology or something like that. And I'm wondering to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if this was basically the upcoming secret technology that Elon Musk has been sort of, you know, hyping uh, and not really telling for the last couple months, where it's a auto convoy system that... Um, you know, sort of activates your um, your autopilot and uses the hive mind of all the sensors in however many cars are in the convoy to give you basically a Voltron effect of better eyes and more eyes. The effect would be you can then any car in the convoy can sort of see what is coming up, the traffic conditions that are coming up. And you don't really have to be next to each other, but you can just imagine every single Tesla, you know, within your locale sort of informing you that, you know, you probably need to avoid this intersection or something like that mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, stuff like that in real time where your car becomes more uh, uh, alive because it has eyes through the LIDAR or whatever collision yeah, avoidance you know, stuff. From, from my vantage point, this is the one thing that mainstream media hasn't really picked up on yet because it's still kind of a, a concept that, you know, is, it's still kind of like within the, uh, in the purview of those of us who, who are in tech, but you know, people tend to write about, you know, the self-driving car and the mobility revolution as the next big thing because of the safety concern. And obviously that is job one or job zero, depending on how, you job know, zero. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the one big thing that like not a lot of people talk about because they really don't grasp it is that once self-driving cars begin to really propagate at a, at a massive scale, it's the network effects of all of these cars, not just having the ability to drive themselves, but being aware of every other car that is self-driving and being able to uh, communicate through emerging protocols and possibly even with, you know, sensors perhaps in on the highway and within the road. Cause you know, back in the fifties, the, the original concept for, autonomous driving because that this is not a new concept on a national level they've been the 
Department of Transportation has wanted to do this for decades, but they said we're going to have to retrofit the national highway system with possible sensors and things in the road. And they were like, that's basically going to force us to have to rebuild the entire highway network, which is obviously, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, a massive job. Um, and tech companies started saying, why don't we just start with the individual cars, let them talk to each other. And like you said, you know, have the hive mentality, be self-aware to a certain degree, and then we can all behave in that way. Right. Which is actually very perfect. I, I love how you're just teeing up these segues for me. Right. So let's let's jump right into our let's jump right into your your uh, the, the interview, the one on one. Um, and then I'll, I'll sort of sort of continue where, where you're going with this with infrastructure. Like, where do you see do you see this interconnected mesh of vehicles going cross platform? Is there going to be a standard that talks to you know, infrastructure, or do you think we're going to live the next maybe 15 to 20 years within the fiefdoms that uh, we're all too familiar with, um, uh, with cell phones and, 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 and wearables and other uh, technologies, because everybody wants their own platform. Oh, that is a great topic. And you know, there's, there's a guest contributor post, which we'll put in the show notes. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but it was on TechCrunch. Um, and it was fantastic, uh, calling for you know, the forthcoming protocols and, you know, and the communications mechanisms by which self-driving cars will talk to each other. And they said they really, uh, the author, uh, whose name escapes me right now, was really calling for that kind of thing to be open source, which I think is a really interesting concept because you're taking a software development model and trying to apply that as if it were uh, either public policy where, you know, any resident uh, can go in and review these laws that have been reviewed and ratified and amended and then um, codified or like a patent where you say, okay, well, this is, you know, officially registered and here it is. Anybody can review it. Um, basically to say that we might have either some, you know, an open source method of the major companies. So like a Google and an Uber um, and an Apple perhaps and Ford and, you know, the European car companies and the Japanese car companies all having like almost like an open standard, like an HTTP or a WebRTC or a XMPP or something like that. Um, a means that some authority would say, okay, you know, this is signed, sealed, and delivered. This is how you guys all communicate. If you guys want to do, you know, your own thing for competitive purposes, fine. But, you know, the basic rules by which you operate cars on the road and by which, you know, uh, cars can do their thing, somebody's going to have to approve of that. Um, but essentially, that author was calling for the whole thing to be open source, which I thought was amazing. Wow. That's actually um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for good and bad points. Um, right. So that, that's a really, really interesting way of looking looking at that. Should that kind of thing uh, be completely uh, standardized? I think most people would, would agree that that probably is the best way to go. Obviously, there's going to, um, you know, one of the topics that's coming up now is how much regulation um, and how do, how do tech companies, because they're thinking so far ahead of what legislators are able to do right now as far as like the self-driving cars. Because, you know, a government is basically very in favor of this. Right. They just don't yeah, really understand the implementation or the mechanics behind it. Right, right, right. And by the way, for anybody listening, if you're looking for, if you're not looking or interested in starting your own startup and you're looking for a nice, safe job and you're passionate about self-driving cars, one of the best places to work is a very unexpected space. It would be with the federal government uh, to help them, assuming you have a background here and not Silicon Valley, right? Because they're, I mean... They are 
trying to keep up, like, like Jason just said, and, and, and they suck, right? So, you know, why not create more value for your brand or for yourself professionally uh, and, and just sort of march over to Washington and, you know, sort of show them the ropes. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing that's really interesting is, is, you know, the author and, you know, like I found, I found the link right now. It's um, perfect. Loading, albeit slowly, but, um, you know, how much say will the National Transportation Safety Bureau have, the NTSB, and, you know, John Thuma, there you go, is the uh, the gentleman who penned this article. Fantastic read. We'll, right. we'll share the link in the show notes. It's really, really worthwhile reading uh, if you're into this kind of thing. Um, but, you know, does the NTSB get involved and, you know, like, will self-driving cars, you know, will they apply, you know, the black box concept that is so common right now to airlines? Right. And right. what's really interesting, and you were just in, alluding to that, Noble, is, you know, on a business standpoint, if you look at this, the institution in American business that has been the Detroit car making model and how that is really being disrupted by what's going on in tech companies in Silicon Valley. And then again, how is that being affected by the European car makers, the Asian car makers and everything? Because, you know, and, and Detroit has really got a lot to worry about. Right. Or do they, or can they acquire themselves? Uh, you know, that's, that's one of those little uh, Gartner's hype cycle, right? During the uh, trial, uh, the, 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 the pit of despair, the, the disillusionment valley, uh, where a lot of you know startups go out of business, that is the ripe stage for M&A, is a ripe stage for acquisition. And, and you've seen a lot of activity with GM picking up, uh, you know, startups in the yeah, obviously in the right hailing and, and also the autonomous vehicles space because, you know, they're trying to sort of hedge their bets with services and with the technology as well. Yeah, so, Ford has so. made some really, really impressive, um, impressive moves. And, you know, even Ford is saying, you know, I think to a, to a certain degree, they would admit that they said, you know, if we try and go pound for pound against oh, yeah. um, the Silicon Valley guys, as far as like feature development and, you know, like technical wizardry and everything like that. We might come up a little bit short just because that's, you know, we know how to make good cars, but this new generation of cars, we, we might not be at that level yet. What we want to do is capitalize on our institutional knowledge of the automotive business and then really concentrate on mobility services going forward. And that's what, and I, that's what Ford said. And I, they want to be a yeah, mobility services provider. And I wish they would all sort of take a, a you know, all the, the big three in Detroit would all, all take sort of a note from that, not to geek out too much on that topic. But if you think about it, why not let, to your point, why not let software, you know, uh, companies build good software? Why not let Google build the underlying technology to power Chrysler's, uh, um, you know, SUVs or, or minivans or whatever they're doing with, with, with Daimler? Uh, it's no longer Daimler, is it? It's just Chrysler now. Um, yeah. And of course, that uh, came up in the very beginning, and, and everybody was saying, "Okay, well, you know, is Google going to make its own car? Is Apple going to produce its own car?" Google, so, Google is not has no interest, and in, they've said it outright that they have no interest in making a car. So, but to the point, to your point, you know, if you if you've got the infrastructure and the know how to build good cars, build good cars. You know, then, then I'm talking to you, Volkswagen uh, Group, because you guys uh, are struggling a little bit. Just Focus on building exceptional vehicles and let, you know, companies with the, you know, with the traction that they've already gained because you're behind, let them do the other thing. So if you think about, you know, established run-of-the-mill, you know, uh, um, car companies building software, I can guarantee 
you you bought your car because it the you know the salesperson showcased the voice calling feature, but you hate it every single time you have to repeat call mom and it calls some random person. Like that's that's the type of stuff I'm talking about where. You know, car makers do not focus on software because, you know, they suck at it. Um, and, well, just be, this, the, this is, be the Foxconn of the world. Yeah, this is the one crazy thing that, you know, Silicon Valley companies have to admit because they were like, okay, when we're thinking about developing systems that will basically provide transportation on the open highway, this isn't like, you know, throwing some app together and putting it on the web. And it's not like putting a mobile browser together where we can say, you know, we're in perpetual beta or we can iterate, 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 and eventually like we'll, we'll get better and we'll crowdsource it and we'll have people file bugs. This is the kind of thing that you're now dealing with human safety. And if you get this wrong, people could get very badly hurt or people could die. So you have to get it right the very first time. Perfect. That, that is a very, you know, it's, it's almost like the, dis- the disruptors are being disrupted because, you know, like you can't just say, you know, you know, we'll, you know, release, release early, release often. With this thing, you really have to make sure that you are rock solid coming out of the gate. All right, perfect. And, and All right, so, next, next question. I was going to say, let's jump into the next question. But go ahead, finish your thought there. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. So, so we've talked about now, you know, what happens with you know some of the companies like an Apple or or a Google or an Uber. Um, which, speaking of Uber, which I thought was fantastic, like when they basically like poached um, Carnegie oh, yeah. like entire like research division like to work for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, the, but the one company that, that does bridge the two schools of thought in a very elegant, dominant way is, of course, Tesla, because they're making cars and then they're also writing this, you know, next generation software. And when I was out at Tesla at their San Jose showroom, um, you know, two future guests of yours, uh, Keith Acorn and uh, Libby Chang, that you know, we hung out and we went around there. Um, they were basically saying, you know, like these these 21, 22 year old uh, sales reps, they were saying, you know, we basically see our cars as big iPhones. You know, we've got all these features, yeah. you know, they're, they're cloud connected. You know, you drive it home at night. We issue, you know, uh, software updates. We make sure that your car is always, you know, good to go. For the most part, we can um, keep your car up to speed, you know, pun intended, uh, with over the air updates and everything like that. So it's it's basically like a huge iPhone. And I thought that was a really interesting way to look at how you work with automobiles in the modern day. All right, let's dive into context a little bit, right? So when we talk about uh, the different types of self-driving cars or autonomous vehicles, uh, we have to sort of, uh, um, the NHTSA, like the the agency, the transportation agency, uh, federal transportation agency in the US, uh, sort of breaks it down into five different levels, right? They talk about the very basic, you know, type of car that you, you find, you know, every Honda Civic that you see on the road today, um, that just has ABS, a robot that sort of controls the braking when you slam on the brakes. Uh, and it's really not doing anything. You've got regular cruise control with it, right? And that's almost standard with every vehicle. Level one is semi-autonomous, right? Where functions are still controlled by a driver, but maybe parking uh, or braking can be done autonomously, right? And level two um, is more like, you know, Tesla's autopilot where, you know, lane changing, lane centering, and you're using, the starts getting into using the, you know, a camera combined with maybe LIDAR combined with sonar, infrared, basically daisy chain all those sensors together. Uh, and you, you have some way to teach the vehicle, um, you know, you know, what, you know, the middle of the road or the center of the road is. And, se- and, and again, like I said before, um, uh, just sort of personal opinion, 
I think Tesla, I haven't driven all the cars and haven't owned a Tesla for, for over a year. I think Tesla is sort of, you know, just leaving everyone else in the dust when it comes to it. And there's an interesting uh, debate going on in the industry regarding which approach is better. Teach the vehicles, you know, before getting them on the road or let every single Tesla driver be a guinea pig in teaching the vehicle. So that's, that's a Google approach versus the Tesla approach. And, and of course, that's what Google's doing right now with, with its own self-driving car project. They're saying, you know, we're taking the last two years of our research and, you know, basically taking a handful of cars, making them go all over the places, letting them experience completely random scenarios, those that they can control, those that, you know, they can control, and basically taking all this data, applying it within the context of machine learning so they're training these models and everything that can then be propagated, uh, you know, throughout all sorts of cars. And that, that's, again, the network effects of it is that once a car experiences some, either some sort of anomaly or some way to do something better or some quirky situation that like it never knew. And, you know, the one that's always cited is, OK, well, if a cat's running across the street or a pedestrian happens to dash into the road, the car will stop because it realizes that. Well, the car also has a tendency to do the same thing if a plastic bag is like flying in the air because it right. sees that as a as a foreign object, not knowing that it's a plastic bag and not, you know, a So I ask you, let me ask you outright, which is the better strategy? The strategy where you have a limited amount of fully or level three uh, uh, vehicles that, you know, don't even require a steering wheel because they're doing everything themselves that you sort of have limited uh, exposure on or the level two Tesla strategy, which is, you know, put them in real, like just, Add, I don't know how many Teslas are on the road today, but it's a lot, right? Uh, it's 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 a sizable chunk of data that will allow um, Tesla to claim that they have, you know, a, a massive data set of real world activity. Which is the best approach? Do you think? I don't know if you can say one is one is better than the other, honestly, because obviously, okay. So let's break down the pros and cons. Tesla's model is, you know, they're taking real world drivers getting data from them uh, in a variety of situations and in, you know, I mean, you may have people going cross country into all of these, you know, different uh, towns and environments, taking back roads, you know, going on the highway, doing the start and stop city driving once again like that. Um, and so they're getting all of that, that sort of data from, you know, a variety of situations with a variety of drivers driving in a variety of different ways and then using, you know, the autopilot on and off. And, and so like they're collecting a massive amount of data. And you said they've got, they've got a huge installed user base. Whereas Google is a little bit more, um, they're controlling the environment and they did all of those tests at Mountain View and now they're down in Austin. Obviously that kind of thing is going to expand out. You know, they, they, they've taken the self-driving car on what the Pacific coast highway. They went like all the way yep. down, down the coast, I yep. believe. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and the Google engineer, uh, Chris, he actually, he said he fell asleep because the ride was so, uh, was so smooth and so um, um, so effortless. He actually like he he, he conked out for like part of the trip. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I guess it, I guess it depends on. But then you know, Google's getting the specific type of data in the specific type of situations that they're after, and they want to say, okay, we want to see how this works in small you know city environments or urban environments. Whereas you know. Again, the Tesla guys may say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to drive, you know, I'm going to take my kid to college or I'm going from L.A. all the way up to Seattle. So that's a different type of driving that you would have, you know, just working in a small town and everything like that. But, you know, obviously both companies are going to have to spend years and years and years doing this um, and see how that goes. Yeah. And, and how, how does 
what, is Uber going to use either one of those models or the other, or are they going to create some hybrid, or are they going to do something completely different given the fact that they've got, you know, what, 20,000 people working for them just in San Francisco alone? Oh, and wow. like yeah, that is a very good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, if, if, and if, right if, now, right now, they're, they're pretty limited in, in at least with this, you know, the spy shots that leaked a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it seems as if they, you know, they're trying for the level three level, uh, the, the level three autonomous vehicles where, um, you know, it, there's a driver in the car legally, but. Uh, uh, the car is pretty much doing most of the driving. Level four, by the way, is fully autonomous, according to the Department of Transportation. Like it's like, you know, uh, and then of course, I'm, I'm guessing there's a level five, which in- includes. Um, uh, I, have, I have no idea what level five is. I'm guessing well, infrastructure includes in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the use case that I always I always give people either people that are way too much into you know, self-driving cars and saying, oh, we need to make this happen now. And, you know, like this is the future and it's wonderful and I can't wait for the people that, you know, just won't touch it with a 10 foot pole. Because I say, you know, it's right. interesting. So I say, you know, if you're so into or against um, autonomous driving and I was like, OK, so obviously you're into it yourself because you're a tech enthusiast and you're very uh, passionate about tech. You embrace tech concepts. You're also like you know, really, a little bit, really. a little bit tolerant you're, you're, for, the, for the quirks of tech. Right. But that's would, part of it. But actually, that's part of it. But for me, it's more safety thing. I trust computers more. I, I, I guess my brain is wired to trust computers more than I trust myself driving. Right. Them, exactly. So. But and I tell people, I was like, OK, so since you're so into this, would you be willing like if you've got like maybe a uh, child in like the third or fourth grade, would you be willing to, to trust an autonomous vehicle to come and you could hail a car that was completely self-driving? Come to your house, right. pick it up and bring your young child to school. Yep. Or would you be willing to let it take your elderly parent uh, that has to go to a medical appointment to their appointment i would i would for the first maybe six months i just truthfully i would accompany them um just to be in the car with them uh but it might uh, that might just you know after the first week i might not even need it because you know it it does an adequate enough job Mm -hmm. and and again I i think this all comes down to you know, going back to the thing about network effects and it, this all comes down to scale. And, you know, if, if we have a handful of self-driving cars out there, okay, it's funny. You know, everybody wants to take, you know, pictures of them when they're on the road. If we have tens of thousands of these things all acting harmoniously, and, and that is a massive deployment issue right there. Um, but if we have the more cars we get on the road, the better the overall transportation network becomes, at least in theory, you know, because they're able to talk to each other. Again, they're all working off of the same general set of rules and algorithmically they can react better and more consistently than a human being would be able to. It's older than you, but you know, when we were first learning how to drive, you know, we either took classes that were required by, you know, the state or, you know, like we had an older sibling or our parents taught us how to drive or an uncle or something like that. Um, and we learned the rough rules of the road, you know, kind of like the, the one, one of the few things I do remember, uh, from, basically my dad teaching me how to drive. And then when I took my, you know, my permit test and then ultimately my license, and that was, you know, respectively when I was 15 and 16 was that, you know, when you, when you're driving behind another car, it's 10 miles per hour of speed for every car length. When you're behind Uh you you guys out there in the States are a little bit different because you guys are driving, um, you know, interstate. So you guys are flying at, you know, 65, 70 miles per hour because I live on Guam and it's an Island, you know, like um, we've got a lot more city driving like throughout the Island. But my point is that, you know, each of us as human beings right now and people that are our age and that have been driving for decades, we all have uh, probably very, very refined and very reliable driving skills. 
But how about like our, the ability for our, to retain knowledge of those rules of the road, like, you know, little quirky anecdotes, like I said, right there, 10 miles, uh, uh, well, I'm sorry, one car length for every time, 10 miles per hour speed and everything like that. How many of those rules do you remember maybe like 20, 25 years ago when you first got your license? Um, (laughs) do you you remember? Because, you know, we, we can operate cars very, very well, but can we really recall those kind of rules? And like, you know, when you come to a four way stop, do you, can you really honestly say in your heart of hearts, do you really know who has right of way? And things like that. And these that, are the things that, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's no knocking us. It's just human nature. Um, autonomous vehicles. One, one, one thing I noticed on that. Yeah. One, one thing I noticed uh, is, you know, get into a four-way stop, stop with autopilot on. Uh, I noticed one thing was missing. One that didn't really know it was a stop, right? So we haven't really gotten that far yet. Uh, but I did notice one thing that, you know, at a four-way stop without a light, you look, you actually physically have to turn around and look at the other, make eye contact with the other driver and try to figure out, all right, you know, I know it's my turn to go. I have to legal right away. You're not going to do anything stupid. Well, cars are going to have to take that over. And I can't wait for the future where my my daughter just asks me, you know, so 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 you used to actually own a vehicle and yeah. and actually had to drive and just trust that any random person wasn't just going to just no, plow see, into you. And see, that's, that's the thing today. Today, most human beings would say when they all come to a four way stop, even if they know who's got the right of way, most people would kind of like you know just give the guy you know like a hand gesture or something like that, and then it just right. becomes you know um, just a matter of being cordial. Okay, you pull out you know before I do, or you know we, we figure something else out. Um, right. Yeah. If, uh, Jason, like where you, uh, you know, what you're doing these days and uh, promote uh, your Twitter, you know, uh, anything well, that you, you can, um, not really involved too much on social media for personal, um, use. I uh, like, I do a lot of social media for, um, for my company because right. I work at Guam's uh, biggest TV, um, news provider, just really doing like a lot of R and D 360 video, VR, nice. uh, recommendation engines and everything like that. Just all, always tinkering and everything, but I'm around. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to stop the, uh, the video. See you next week.